So um, this morning's reading is from uh, the book of Romans, um, chapter 5, reading verses 1 to 11. And this is in the ESV. If you're not like me, who's been practicing on the NIV all week. Um, and the page number is 942 in the chair Bibles or table Bibles. I read. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we also obtain access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that sufferings produce endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because of God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For once we scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall, be, shall we be saved by, from, by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now we are reconciled shall, be, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Great, thanks, Bio. I'll just uh, grab this. Do keep that passage open. Um, that would be really helpful to me as we hear God's word speak to us by the power of his Holy Spirit. We've prayed that God would open our minds, so let's, let's kick off. I don't know what brings you joy. It might be Marie Kondo. Doesn't quite work for me, I'm afraid. If you saw my clothes, they're far from tidy. I don't know, it might be your car, your career, your marriage, your relationships, your friendships. Your qualifications. I don't know. What brings you joy? Might be a walk in the, in the, in the woods. What brings you confidence? Now, we need to be careful as we come to this part of uh, the book of Romans not to discount certain things that affect our emotional Makeup, Because as we think about joy, we are thinking about emotions, as we'll see. We're thinking about more than feelings, more than emotions, but emotions, feelings. And we all know, don't we, that they can be affected by our personalities, our, our upbringing, our personal history, our bodies, our health. These can all affect our emotions. We're embodied souls, so our bodies have a big part to play in how we feel, how happy or 
joyful we are. But Paul is talking about something slightly different as we come to Romans chapter 5. He's talking about the kind of joy that never changes, that is a constant, a, a source of joy that is not dependent on how well we are or how well we're doing in our job or our relationships or our studies or our health or our marriage, a kind of indestructible joy. And this kind of joy comes from the good news of God, the good news of Jesus Christ, which Paul has been outlining. But wouldn't it be wonderful to be a person who has this kind of joy? Now, it may be that we're yet to put our faith in Jesus Christ. And so my, my hope from this morning is that you'll see the joy that comes from knowing God through Jesus Christ. But I guess for most of us, uh, as we're Christians, we're thinking, well, how? How do I enjoy this joy? Well, before we look at the passage, we need to get clear what Paul means by the word rejoice. And uh, if you look at your footnotes in, in your Bible, I don't know whether your uh, app has footnotes, uh, but if it does, you'll see that it says in chapter 5 there's a footnote about joy. It can also mean boast. See, this word is a word that can be translated joy, rejoice, or boast. And so we might say glory in, or exalt in, or take pride in, or celebrate in. In other words, it includes emotions, it includes our feelings, but it can go hand in hand with pain and suffering. It, it can have exuberant celebration as part of it, but it can also just have that quiet confidence in agony. So yes, it can include the exuberance that there will be if England win the World Cup. But it's much deeper than that. See, we can still glory, exult in, boast in, be confident in, alongside sadness, suffering and deep pain, according to verse 3. Paul says, more than that, we rejoice in our sufferings. I don't think he means in the actual sufferings. It's whilst we're in them. We still have this joy. Our emotions can spring out of this joy in overwhelming praise and happiness, or they can be more hidden, but still there. In fact, suffering makes it clearer, as we'll see. Um, I watched an interview with Bear Grylls uh, earlier on in the week, and he, he talked about the fact that whenever he's presented with a challenge, there sort of comes out of him this survival mentality, this ability to conquer fear. It, it's always there, but when he's presented with the opportunity, out comes this survival instinct. And it's a bit like that with sufferings in the Christian life. They bring out 
our joy. We can even rejoice in our sufferings. Wouldn't it be great to have that kind of joy? A joy that cannot be dented by the sufferings, for example, that Paul went through. And boy, did Paul suffer. Beatings, stonings, betrayals, loneliness, and supremely, obviously, the Lord Jesus Christ, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Now, I'm going to assume that we understand the doctrine of justification by faith alone. That's what we've been looking at. I don't have time to, to, to recap it. But if you want to ask me any questions about what we've looked at in, the, in Romans chapters 1 to 5, uh, do grab me afterwards. I, I'd love to, to think and chew over and work out how we understand the fact that we're declared innocent in God's sight simply by faith in the Lord Jesus. It's a wonderful truth. Just to recap briefly, we, we've seen, haven't we, in Romans chapters uh, 1 and 2, I'm not okay. Uh, some of you know that more than others. You're not okay. I hope you know that. But Jesus can make us okay before God. If we think that we can make ourselves okay with God, if we trust in ourselves rather than Jesus, we will find ourselves under the eternal wrath of God in hell. Paul is quite clear about that in Romans chapters 1 and 2. It's why it's important that we trust in Jesus Christ for ourselves. Only Jesus can make us okay before God. And it's not, as we've seen, it's not an accounting method, is it? It's not we sort of tot up our good deeds and hope that they outweigh our bad deeds, because actually it's the other way around. Our, our bad deeds are up here and our good deeds are down here, and it's the, the, we'll never get into credit. The only way we can be right with God is through trusting in Jesus Christ, taking the punishment that we deserve, and him giving us God's righteousness, God's perfect innocence, crediting us with God's righteousness, as we saw in chapter 4. So that's justification by faith alone. And so what Paul is doing now is he's saying, well, so what? And he says it brings joy. If we've trusted in Jesus Christ, we can rejoice, boast, glory, exult in that. Justification by Jesus brings joy. Now, I want us to just see the logic here in chapter 5. See, joy comes for the Christian from a past achieved event. Something outside us, something God has done for us, which leads to what he does in us. I want you to look at the have-beens in our passage. The have-beens. It's ways of translating a particular tense in the original, and it leads on to the present and the future, but it's the has there has been, have a look with me at verse 1. Therefore, since we, that's all Christians, have been justified by faith. Something that has happened if we're a Christian here this morning. Verse 5. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts. It's completed God has poured his love into us. It's done. 
Verse 5 again. Through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For a Christian here this morning, we have been given the Holy Spirit. We've been united to Jesus Christ by the Spirit's outpouring in our lives. And then verse 9. Now that we... Sorry, it's not verse 9, is it? Yes, it is. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood. We have been justified. And verse 11, through whom we, it's not quite a has, has been, but it's the same tense, have now received reconciliation. We are at peace. We have been made at peace with God. We've been declared innocent. This is a done deal. And because it's a done deal, the joy that springs from it cannot change. So, three points. Faith in Jesus Christ has brought the peaceful hope of the glory of God. So rejoice, exult in it, glory in it, boast in it. This is, I'm, I'm trying to have an emotional sermon, or more emotional than I normally am. We need to really celebrate this. Faith in Jesus Christ, secondly, has brought productive suffering in God's love. So rejoice. Faith in Jesus Christ, thirdly, has brought secure reconciliation with God. So rejoice. Point one, faith in Jesus Christ has brought the peaceful hope of the glory of God. Let's just look at this. How Paul's logic is saying, look, because you have been justified by faith, verse one, what do we have? Peace with God, through our Lord Jesus Christ. War is over. God's wrath has been dealt with because Jesus drained the cup of God's wrath down to its very dregs. As we sing, Jesus has paid it all, all. The VE day of the soul has begun. War is over. Through him, verse 2, we have also obtained access into this grace in which we now stand. We now stand under God's kind favor, his smiling face. He sees us as he sees his beloved son, Jesus. We are righteous in his sight. And so what we rejoice, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We're going to go to glory. We will be there. We can't be justified by the death of Jesus and not get there. I was going to say more about this in chapter 8. I'm a bit of an anxious traveler. Um, ask my family, they'll tell you. It's probably because, you know, a number of years ago I... I, I, I turned up for a flight on the wrong day. <laughs> so I tend to get there early, and make sure there's plenty of time for connections and things like that. We can be anxious travellers in our Christian lives, can't we? We needn't be. Because we've met the one who takes us home. It's great, isn't it, if you, you come off a station or you come off a flight and you've got no idea where to go, but you meet somebody and they're taking you to your destination. You, you know that once you meet them, you're in their hands, you're safe, you'll get there. Once we have met Jesus Christ, once we have trusted in him, 
We are as good as in glory, as good as home. So we can rejoice. We're at peace with God. We can look forward to heaven. We can think about heaven on a daily basis as we're encouraged. We're to set our hearts on things above where Christ is, where our lives truly are, because we will be there. We will be raised with him. It's not possible to start the Christian life and not reach the destination because it's God who gets us there because of what Jesus has done. And so there's joy and glory and confidence. We're secure. Faith in Jesus Christ has brought the peaceful hope of the glory of God, a sure hope. Secondly, faith in Jesus Christ has brought productive suffering in God's love. Now, I know many of us here have been through tough times over the last few years looking round. You know that I have, we have as a family. Many of us are still suffering. And maybe we feel that the pain might overwhelm us. I often do. Certainly where I've been over the last few years. But I think the greatest additional pain in that kind of situation when we suffer as Christians is that we think in some way, God doesn't love me anymore. We feel that our suffering is meaningless, even though some of it might have been because of persecution. Well, a lot of it is not because of persecution, it's just my sin. Maybe I've sinned in a way that's beyond the pale, or somehow God has missed me out of his plan. But what does Paul say? Verse 3. Not only so, hope of glory, we rejoice in our sufferings. Not in the suffering, but within our sufferings. Because we, we know something about suffering if we're justified believers in Jesus Christ. We know what God is doing through our suffering. All suffering knowing that suffering produces endurance. I mean, some people actually choose to suffer by running 26 miles, back to back for a whole week. It's the only way to produce endurance, though, isn't it? If I started trying to run 26 miles, I wouldn't get beyond about three. I've got no endurance. Suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character. Paul will talk later on in Romans about how God has promised that all Christians will be conformed to the image of his Son, will be made like Jesus. So God promises to be at work through our lives, to conform us to the image of his Son. It will take suffering to produce that character. Or maybe we're infected by the, the spirit of our age, which is all about comfort, and choosing the option that never suffers, as if it's possible to live in this veil of tears without suffering. Get real. Job says, man, mankind is born to trouble as surely as sparks fly upwards. The laws of this world, the principles of this world mean that we will all suffer. 
just as surely as hot air is less dense and rises. And as Christians, we will certainly suffer. We've just been thinking about how blessed it is to be persecuted because the, those who are persecuted know that theirs is the kingdom. This is how John, the apostle, introduces himself to all the churches of the first century, your brother and partner in the tribulation, that is suffering, and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus. That's what it means to be a Christian. When Jesus calls us to follow him, to follow him, what does he say? Take up your... See, suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope, which we're to rejoice in. It's like this sort of reinforcing thing. The more that we suffer, the more we look forward to that hope of glory that we know we have in Jesus, makes us long for it all the more, and so our joy increases. How? And hope does not put us to shame. We, we look forward to the expectation of the glory of God, and it's not going to disappoint us. How do we know that that day when we are before Jesus and he says, welcome, well done, good and faithful servant. How do we know that's not going to be a disappointment? Because of our justification. Because of what's happened to us already. What's happened to us already? Because God's love has been poured into our hearts. There's a connection between what's happened to us, what has been achieved for us through Jesus' death on the cross, and that future day. They're connected, they're linked. God's love has been poured into our hearts. When first we believed in Jesus, we tasted what God's love is like. We can't wait to be there, to live as Christ, to die as gain. How? through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Every Christian has been given the Holy Spirit. If you're a Christian here this morning, you have been given the Holy Spirit. Why? So that God could communicate to you how much he loves you. He loves you enough to send his son to die on the cross in your place, to justify you, to make you innocent in his sight. There's lots of pictures that the Bible gives for this process that happens to us as we suffer. It burns away the rubbish that clings to us like gold is refined in the fire. And so Job says he can look forward to that day when he will see God in his flesh on the earth. And he will come forth as gold, glory. Maybe I can share a bit personally. Forgive me if I get emotional. But I guess in general emotion about Jesus is a good thing. When it became apparent that I was going to lose my job, our home, my career, and if that weren't enough, things weren't going so well in our family, and I was enduring more pain than I had yet experienced, I didn't have much left to rejoice in, except Jesus. Yet I knew that I loved him more than everything. And when Jesus is all you have, you realize that he's all you need. 
I'm so quick to forget that lesson. But as a friend of mine put it recently, Mike, you may have watched his video. We have Jesus. We have a relationship with him. If we're justified by him, heading to glory, we have everything. Everything. See, suffering produces endurance, which produces character, which produces hope, which is not shameful, but full of the love of God that has poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that grows as we endure because we see Jesus more clearly, who he is, what he's done for us. I don't know what you've gone through, what you are going through, but in our suffering, we, needed to be, we need to be reminded that it's the, the love of God that we already know that we will be experiencing. And to encourage one another. God doesn't waste our tears. He keeps them in a bottle. Whatever grief we're going through are being refined into the glory of the likeness of Jesus being manifest in our lives so that when we see him, we will be like him and shine like the sun in the kingdom of our heavenly father. Our suffering is not evidence that God does not love us is an opportunity for us to see his love all the more clearly in Jesus. Because we keep, we keep taking joy in other things, don't we? I don't know what it might be. Grades, or cars, or careers, or work, or family, or whatever. It... No. What is the love that has been poured into our hearts? Verse 5. I mean, was God sort of there waiting for us to clean ourselves up when he loved us? Did he say, well, you're just a bit too messed up for me to love you? No, for while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the what? The ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, you know, somebody who's self-righteous and judgmental. Though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. There's lots of stories, tragically, of parents laying down their lives for their children, children laying down their lives to save their parents, husbands and wives, wives and husbands. This is all for good people. People we love. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners... Not seeking God. Paul has talked about what sinners are. It's you and me. People who are not seeking God. People who don't want to live his way. People who hate God. Who spit in his face. For such, Christ died. See, it's that kind of love. that The, the knowledge that God loves us when we were his enemies. When we were sinners. That he's poured into our hearts. He's poured that kind of love into your heart by the Holy Spirit if you're a Christian here this morning. He loves you because of Jesus. But that doesn't mean it's not a you kind of way that he loves you. Do you know that love? Well then rejoice. 
even in suffering. Yes, I know it's hard. I'm not pretending it's not hard. But we already have an experience of that love by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given all who have been justified. Finally, faith in Jesus Christ. I wanted to spend a bit more time on that point because I know it's, it's a live issue for us all. But then finally, faith in Jesus Christ has brought a peace that lasts through the day of wrath. Sort of picks up that point at the beginning of the passage. Because we have been justified, we are now at peace with God. We've got the hope of glory. Past, present, future, sorted. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, past, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God, future. See, what Paul is saying is God has done the greater thing here. He has shed his blood to justify us, to declare us innocent before God. If, if the glorious Son of God, who dwells in eternal glory, who created all things, whom the angels continually praise, the Almighty, the I am that I am, became a baby, was contracted to a span, if the infinite and eternal one began, the omnipresent was born in Bethlehem. The omniscient one learnt. The one whom all angels obey was obedient to death on a cross. The one who was without sin was put on trial. The innocent was found guilty. His hands and feet were pierced. He was run through to his heart with a Beer, the one who keeps every heart beating from the beginning of life to the end, died. The beloved of the Father cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? If he shed his blood, if he has done that to save us from his judgment, how will he not save us from God's wrath on the final day? More than that, if we while were his enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. See the how much more argument? If, if we're at peace with God now, how much more will we be with peace, at peace with him on that day, saved by his life? We've got a glorious future. We've got the hope of glory. We're going to be with our Lord Jesus Christ. We will see him face to face. And so more than that, verse 11, we rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. We're at peace. We're reconciled. The war is over. So that day is a day to look forward to, the day that we die and meet God. Yes, before God's judgment throne. We're already innocent. We're already under his favor. So do we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God? Do we rejoice in our sufferings, know that they can produce in us an increased desire for that future new creation? Do we rejoice in God? Now the real danger at this point is we say, well, 
I'm not sure. Maybe, but maybe not enough. And we condemn ourselves. Anybody going through that thought processes now? Maybe not. Maybe it's just me that does that kind of thing. Well, there's, there's wonderful hope in verse 11, isn't there? Did you see it? Even our joy is something that God works in us. Verse 11. More than that, we also re- rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He has done so much for us. He's not just the person who's done all this for us. He's also the one who enables us to enjoy it, to rejoice in it, to exult in it, to glory in it, to celebrate. Yes, sometimes in music, but when we're on our own this week, quietly maybe, we need to come to Jesus, don't we? For this kind of joy whether for the first time or for the thousandth time. So let's do that now. Let's come before him in prayer. Whatever we're facing, I'm just going to lead us in a prayer of rejoicing. Lord Jesus, we praise you and thank you so much that you came into this world to lay down your life, to shed your blood to die under the wrath of God so that we can be innocent in your sight, so that we can be loved by God our Heavenly Father with the same love as he has for his one and only begotten Son. Lord, we thank you and praise you that you've promised whatever we're going through, whatever we're suffering, to conform us more and more to the image of your son. We thank you and praise you that you work even through our suffering, which isn't meaningless, to show us your love more and more so that we look forward to that day when there'll be no more crying or tears or pain. Lord Jesus, we praise you that you've done all this for us and we're sorry when we forget to rejoice in these things. So would you help us? Lord Jesus, would you help us to rejoice in God through you? Amen.